0: Film and television, merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like, whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house, or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. Hello, friends. It's been a minute. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. You know, Mama gets busy. She's got deadlines, and I've got things to do. and Things fall by the wayside, and I really apologize because I know how much you look forward to to hearing my voice. No, you don't. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. We're back. I'm back in the saddle for Between the Bannisters. I'm very excited, and I know I say that all the time, but I'm excited to speak to this incredible woman that I have had the absolute pleasure of meeting this year, and her name is Janine Pipe. And if you're unfamiliar with Janine Pipe, go sort it out. She is a Splatterpunk Award-nominated author between 2021 and this year, 2022. She is the author of Sausages, The Making of Dog Soldiers. She has written for Fangoria, Scream Magazine, Cemetery Dance, (gasps) Inhale. She is the editor at Encyclopocalypse Publications, Candisha Press, and Clash Books. And she also creates content for Snarled Something Scary Podcast. Miss Janine Pipe, how are we doing today? And if you can tell the kids at home, what are we talking about today?
1: we are talking about neil marshall's 2002 debut directorial movie dog soldiers yay i'm really <laughs> excited about this cuz
0: i love i love a good werewolf movie um yep. and i always have that's kind of like one of my big um universal monster like from the very beginning just kind of loving the wolf aspect um yep. so
1: tell me why tell me why you loved it It's really hard to kind of put into the words just exactly why and how much I love it. (laughs) Very much to do with, I'm exactly the same as you in my favourite kind of universal monster, cryptid, however you want to describe it, is the werewolf. So, I mean, that was obviously a massive tick to start with but also I love anything to do with um, the armed forces, anything to with the army or the police and that kind of thing. Cause I've got a sort of a background in that. And it's not very often where you find a movie which is so realistic about that kind of thing. And the squaddies that are in this film are just, it is as if Neil just, you know, picked them actually out of an actual platoon. They're so realistic. And it's the, it's, it is, it's the camaraderie between the characters that I absolutely love more than anything. And those light comedic moments where you don't know, it's exactly what a, a film should be for me, where it's like that roller coaster of you don't know whether you're supposed to be laughing or crying or screaming, but this has kind of got all of it thrown in and it just works. It's just perfection for me.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about um, the book, too, because I like you said, you have a background in in uh, police work, correct? Yes. So how was that real visceral for you, just coming from that background as a police officer and then coming into this movie? What is it that you liked about each one of the soldiers that were going through this this particular film?
1: They're just so authentic. It's just to do with, like, there's that dialogue. There's that gallows humour. It's the banter between them, you know, the way that they sort of you know like they joke around with each other they call each other names all of that kind of thing that's what it's very much like whether you're a soldier whether you're a police officer whether you're you know an ambulance driver firefighter you have that kind of relationship with the people that you work with because you're dealing with horrendous and stressful situations all of the time you need to be able to have that just like um, almost silly banter with your colleagues just to be able to lighten the situation a little bit otherwise you'd all just be so depressed you'd never be able to do your job and that kind of um, there's this sort of thing between them where it's very much like they might be calling each other names and they might be you know taking the piss out of each other but every single person in that group would have died for each other and that's kind of like what it's like you know in the police or in you know as a a member of the armed forces it you're very much a family you are a partnership you rely on each other sometimes in literal life and death situations and that comes across um through the journey that you know these people you know that they will do anything that the sergeant says. And then when the sergeant's incapacitated, they fall, you know, Cooper takes charge and there's no question of it whatsoever. They just immediately fall in line with that because they trust him and all of that kind of stuff. And it's very real. And also there's kind of things like with the, the Terry character where he's kind of a bit nervous about it all. And again, that's just realistic because you have some characters like Spoon that are very gung-ho and almost mm-hmm. can't wait been waiting their whole lives for this. It's the whole reason why they join the forces, sort of thing. And it's just like it's almost like a big game. And then you've got the, you know, like with Terry, where he's a, you can tell he's more nervous and all of that kind of thing. And again, that's very real because until you're actually put in a situation like that, you don't know how you'll react exercising and practicing and all that kind of things all very well but until you're faced with an adversary hopefully not a werewolf really <laughs> but <you just> <laughs> hopefully most often back. than not no werewolves yeah <laughs> So even though it's a movie and we know it's a movie, therefore we know it's all fiction, the characters are just so realistic and their reactions are so realistic. And even in the comedic moments, like where you've got sort of Sean Pertry sat on a toilet with, a you know, like a hairspray and a lighter just saying, fuck off, as he's like spraying it. It's, <laughs> it's funny. <super. laughs> but it's also you just grab what's around you. If you're in a toilet, you grab something in the toilet because that's all you can do. So it's those kind of things. It's just, there is that authenticity. And if you haven't got that with your characters, then they're just cannon fodder and you don't care about them. And with this film, you genuinely care about these characters. So massive well done to Neil for that. Now, I, I love that because I feel like that is something that really
0: makes the film is that, and like you said at the top of the hour, the camaraderie of that and everybody kind yes. of steps up and knows what they need to do. It's just, it's like smooth, I wouldn't say smooth sailing, <laughs> but it's really, yeah. <laughs> it really, they just gel and they just kind of fall into what they need to do. And even yes. for, for Terry, it's like, it's sink or swim. And, you know, yes. even the development of his character is really, really beautiful to watch. So I always yes. ask how it shaped you. And I really want you to go into, Janine is the author of Sausages, The Making of Dog Soldiers. What In My Hot Little Hand is a really, really cool book to look at, even just like scene by scene, the shots and everything. It's it's just an incredibly well thought out book. And it's just so fun to follow along. It's like you're kind of right there and in, in the behind the scenes, which is a fabulous job if I had not said it to you before, is a fabulous job. So I'm really proud of you for that thank you oh of course this is it's, it's very exciting um to see it come to fruition and, and obviously in your passion um you can hear it in your voice how, how passionate you are about this film so tell me how, how you feel that it shaped you and how that
1: transpired into making the book uh, the, so I, to start with I don't think I even knew that it was a film that a, meant so much to me, but also that was so inspirational to me. And it was only when I first started writing bits and pieces, and a couple of people said to me, Oh, that story really reminds me of something like Dog Soldiers. And I was like, Wow, okay, yes, it must be something to do with that setup. You know, it's not the most original setup in the world, the sure. kind of um, like, like the Evil Dead and all of you know, millions of other, you know, in the woods <laughs> there are no thing, original ideas. Know. Yeah, exactly. You know, like the thing and all of that kind of stuff. You know, we, we, we have seen it all before, it's just how it's developed and how it's obviously in a different location and that kind of thing. But um, so that's probably how it influenced my own work without me even realizing, especially because of the love of werewolves. But it's just the film which, for some reason, and I do believe it is mainly to do of the characters, I, I could just find myself watching over and over and over and loving it more and more each time. So when um, it was last year, I suddenly realised that it was the 20th anniversary of this film. I knew it was a real kind of now or never chance to, you know, seize the day, to tick off some bucket lists and things and um, try and do that. I'd written several reviews for different um, platforms before about it. You know, whenever I was introduced to somebody and I had to do like lists of favourite films and whatnot, it was always in there. So people that knew me always knew that it would be, you know, that I would be talking about dog soldiers in some way, but it seemed like the perfect opportunity to kind of like make it official. And it was Fangoria that I originally reached out to, um, to be able to write the piece. And that was how I was able to contact Neil and actually you know, sort of say, hi, I'm not just a major fan, but I've got a really legitimate reason why I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> not Fangoria. creepy by any means. Yeah, Fangoria have said, I can write something, please, can I talk to you about it? Uh, And it all just started from there. Um, And, you know, sort of being able to do a making of, being able to do this retrospective of a film that I just love so much, was just, I don't want to say it was easy, because, you know, obviously there were hours where, like, my husband would come down and say, come on, it's time to come to bed now, you know, because I was just sat there typing away and everything. But I just enjoyed it so much, you know, it was like it was that real case of looking forward to the next day because I knew I was going to be writing about a certain scene. It was just brilliant. And, you know, sort of if I'm allowed to toot my own horn, I do think that I was probably one of the best people for the job as well to do it because I'm so passionate about it and because that was the way I sold it as well I never wanted it to be a critique I never wanted it to be an in-depth this is the camera angle that was used here and <laughs> they blocked the actor there and snooze like, oh. <laughs> exactly I always wanted it to be a celebration I wanted it to be informal and conversational which is exactly what Neil wanted as well and that's how it's come out and so far the only criticisms I have had of it have been from people who wanted it to be that kind of old school and this is where Neil blocked Sean here and this is and I'm sorry that wasn't what me Neil or any of the other people wanted so they'll just have to be disappointed and maybe someone else will write that sort of book about it but it was just an amazing experience and for you know you know that old adage of don't meet your heroes, don't peek behind the curtain, all that kind of thing. I'm so glad that I did, and hand on heart, every single person that I spoke to was just amazing, just the nicest people, and I'm just honoured to have been be able to say that I've been part of the Dog Soldier's story now.
0: No, I think that's first of all to me that's super incredible because it's like something you can tell when things are meant to be because yes. shit like that never happens, yep. <laughs> you know? It's <laughs> yep. like you pitch something to, and outside, even outside the genre, You it's even pitching something as a journalist is really, really difficult for it to land with really anybody. It's such yes. a crap shoot, especially in the freelance game. And to have someone, and F- uh, Fangoria, we absolutely love them, especially with my horror collective, Uh, Nick's Horror Collective they've been really instrumental in helping us get the word out and they've been really huge supporters of it so it's not outside the box thinking for me to think that they would be really wanted to be a part of this and and want you to be a part of it, but what's awesome about it is even with reaching out to Neil everyone was like yeah let's do it and let's take it a step further I think that is incredibly amazing, because And and those who wanted the step by step like this happened and this happened and this happened like shit write it yourself like you can yes. easily you can easily <laughs> Google that shit don't worry exactly. about it and I think what's really beautiful about the book which I've read Covered cover cover because I it really is it's a it's a really really great journey um, and there's a personal journey in here and I feel like that is so important to fans of the genre and fans of film there should be more people that are passionate about the films that they love. Being able to do this type of thing. Yep. And hopefully, this will open the door to other creatives that have made films that have become cult classics to be open to be celebrated by those fans. So, hopefully, you're creating a template for others to work off of and be more celebratory and include personal stories. Like, that's why we're part of the genre. Horror is incredibly visceral and it's incredibly personal. And at times it's an, you know, most, most times it's incredibly political. So I think that by you sharing the personal pieces and how you feel about it and, and having Neil's input is incredible because he's really reliving that journey through you, which I feel like you should really give yourself a little pat on the back and a little hug around the neck for that. Um, (laughs) Because that's really, that's, I feel like as artists, that's really what we want is to people to you know, really relate and to our work and have our work resonate with folks and to be celebrated, not just when it came out to also revisit that. So I think that you've also given him a really nice piece of nostalgia to really work off of. And I know he's got new work coming out and I feel like he was probably really appreciative about them putting words in Neil's mouth. (laughs) Just saying, Um, I feel like he was probably really appreciative about that. So how has your um, friendship with him grown or how did it grow into the friendship that you have with him now
1: well I mean he was yeah definitely it was a a lot of it was about timing and which is why when I realized that we were coming up to the 20th anniversary I knew it was the perfect time to do it and he was at that stage kind of like yeah brilliant let's do it let's do this celebratory piece and and that was what we did for Fangoria and it was actually Neil that said to me um, that he'd recently got he loves making of books and documentaries and everything like that he's got an entire library full of them because he's a real cinephile a real film buff himself um, and he'd actually said to me that he'd recently got a book called uh you've got red on you which is the making of Shaun of the dead by Clark mm-hmm. And he said that, uh, he said, oh, this book is absolutely fantastic. I would really, really love for you to do something like this about dog soldiers. And I was like, wait, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, I just threw up in my mouth.
1: What was that? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it it probably took me a few minutes to peel myself off of the ceiling so that I could actually answer him. Um, and it, it really went from there and I've said it so many times that without Neil's full you know cooperation on this it wouldn't be half the book it was because he opened so many doors as well you know with the with the actors with the special effects people with all like a lot of the you know the famous fans and people like that how was I ever going to talk to someone like Joe Dante or John Landis, or James Wan, you know, good luck even getting hold of their agent details, (laughs) let alone actually speaking to them. So he he opened so many doors for things like that. And of course, all of those guys were more than happy to speak to me because they all love and respect Neil so much. So it started off that we just had sort of several phone calls and Zoom meetings where we just spoke about the film. But and um, and I wouldn't want to suggest that we were friends because you know, so he's my best friend, obviously. <laughs> but right. you know, but on his behalf. But definitely, as kind of like we were talking more and more, we now message each other about bits and pieces. And if he sees a film, quite often he'll text me and say, Oh, what do you think of this and, and whatnot? So there is a friendship there, but most importantly, um, there's a real sense of trust there as well, because he knows that I'm not out there to try, you know, like, uh, and then again, this was really important with making the book in the first instance and talking to, a, to you know, people like Sean Pertry and Kevin McKid and whatnot, that, that I didn't want any dirt. And I said that up front mm-hmm. and, you know, straight away, that if there were any arguments, you know, behind the scenes, if there were any fallings out, if anything happened, if there were, you know, sort of like, oh, I didn't get my money on time or something like that, I didn't want to know about that that's not something that interests me in the slightest mm-hmm. and anything that accidentally got said like that wouldn't get put in the book not that there was anything they all had a brilliant time and that came across but I think because I immediately said that like right at the start of every person that I spoke to it immediately made them feel better as well like oh she's not trying to catch me out I don't need to be guarded you know these guys are hounded by like the paparazzi and people like that and they all of a sudden they were like, "Oh, she she isn't trying to find out if like anything, you know, we drank too much in one of right. the bars. And we've got not an stories. expose. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't have cared less. I hope they had a brilliant time and all of this. That's what I wanted to know. I wanted to know about the city stories when they got kicked out of the bar and they were having such a good time. They carried on drinking, just drunkenly sat by a lift shaft like <laughs> having a great time." You know, there was like, oh, it was just that I wanted silly stories. I wanted fun stories. I wanted stories about when Kev was filming his final scene and he suddenly realised how much, how much he missed Sean. So he gave him a phone call and Sean was like, "It's all right, mate. You're gonna be okay. It's all right. You'll be back soon." That's what I wanted to know. And as soon as they knew that, that you know, their guards went down and they just talked and they were more than happy. And that was very obviously was very important with Neil as well. And um, we have built up a a trustworthy relationship where I've asked him things and he's sent me things and whatnot. So there's a lot that's like, you sort of, the, the film that he's now, about to start, um, uh, he's on location scouting at the moment over in Tenerife. Uh, his, it's his new gangster movie called Duchess. I read the script of that uh, back in January, I think. But again, because he trusted me with it, you know, he wants some feedback and things. So we've built that kind of relationship. And for me, he is my like, favorite director of my favorite film. And now he sends me things for my opinion. <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers it's the it's most a crazy on thing. yeah I
0: mean that's I mean like I said shit like that just does not happen so it's, it's things that are just absolutely absolutely meant to be oh. so I'm going to ask you a very difficult question and it's difficult for everybody but I'll give you okay. I'll give you three of them I'll, I'll let you have three I usually ask for one but I'll give you three because I like okay. you very much yeah. so give me your top three scenes from this film oh my
1: goodness (laughs) (laughs) listen you get three everybody else gets one (laughs) yeah okay um okay so I will give you the famous campfire scene that's one of my most favorite scenes uh with the Eddie Oswald speech where Sean's telling them about his friends that got blown up that's just, uh, and apparently um, Robert England can do um, Sean's speech verbatim as well. And I would, I would absolutely love to, at some point, you know, get to speak to him and, and, and get a recording of that. That must be absolutely phenomenal. Um, I absolutely love slash hate uh, the scene where Sean blows himself up at the end. Spoiler, mm. but if you listen to this, I presume you've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <whoops. laughs> um, it's just, it's just so raw and emotional, and just that look on his face, just as he's about, you know, just as he's turning, but he manages to, you know, obviously light the gas to uh, to blow himself up mm-hmm. so that he can save Coop. That's just it's an it's just I can't watch it without tears in my eyes no matter how many times I see it but it's just beautiful but my all-time favorite scene is actually a really small scene right near the start and it's the scene. it's um one of those like information dump scenes where you don't realize that you're being sort of you know you don't even know it's a law drop. And it is uh, just the bit where they've just started marching through the woods. Nothing's really happened yet. And they sit down and Cooper tells a story about the campers at the start, basically, haven't been found. Mm-hmm. And about how there's this uh, sort of monster out there that locals are calling the Beast of Bodmin Moor. And it's only it's less than two minutes long but it's just one of those scenes, which for me is just utter perfection. And part of that is because um, I could listen to Kevin McKidd talk all day long. He's just got the most beautiful voice. I could, I just absolutely love listening to him. So anytime that he's got um, a lot of dialogue, it is just wonderful. But it's just the way that he's, you know, it's that, it's really hard like when especially us being writers you know making sure that you're feeding your audience but without you know sort of that info dump and exposition and all that kind of stuff it's really hard to get that balance of making sure the audience knows what they're meant to know with without actually spoon feeding them and I think that that's such a really great scene where it's cementing exactly what's happened at the start and just putting in that bit of law where they're starting to think, oh, well, OK, because you don't actually see anything to start with. So if you don't know it's a werewolf film, you're still thinking, oh, I wonder what it could be and all of that kind of stuff. And then the Beast of Bob Moor is a very real big cat, supposed legend um, in the UK as well. So there's all these little bits and pieces that are thrown in. And I just love that scene. I just think it's perfect.
0: And I that. Well done. (laughs) You did it. And I think what's what's really interesting about the film is that there are these little bits and pieces of homages to you can tell what inspired Neil a lot in this film. And it wasn't like he was directly pulling and trying to regurgitate something that had already been done. You can tell it just really influenced not only him, but also the characters and their motivations in the film because I feel like horror is one of those things that teaches you (laughs) how to navigate life. And I feel like that sounds kind of weird, but it really is. I feel like we we all know how to handle ourselves in a zombie apocalypse, we've been told that. Um, And then how to deal with vampires, how to deal with werewolves. Like, obviously these are not, hopefully, real case scenarios, but I feel (laughs) like he definitely was able to bring what really shown to him to bring his characters to life. Now, on the flip side of that, is there anything in the film that you wish didn't happen or you wanted to see more of?
1: Not really. Um, And the only character that I don't like as much as the others, and I, I hate admitting it because she is the only female character in the film. And I think it is solely because of what she obviously has done to the men, which is bring them there to their deaths. Um, but Megan. Megan is my least favorite character. <laughs> I was just going to ask that because yeah. I was yeah. like, bitch, you screwed up the whole thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it isn't because she's a woman. It's no. because because of what the character does, you know, brings, brings our lads, yeah. our lovely lads who we love to this place. And then um, they all die because they've come there. Uh, so that's the reason why I don't like her. In case anyone's thinking, "Oh, well, she's the only woman, and you don't like her," well, um, <laughs> there's a, well, there's a lot with
0: that character. Well, she obviously is very duplicitous. But also, spoiler. Yes. But yeah. I feel like the way you know she she behaves, I think we're not supposed to like her. I don't. You yeah. know, We're not supposed to be like, "Oh, yay, Megan!" But yeah. I feel like the ways <laughs> that she is duplicitous to this group. Is that they finally get there, and she's like, "Oh, I forgot. There's no like power. There's no this or there's no that. Yeah. Let, let me go outside and figure." Like, c- girl, come on. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. And then, really, that's about it. So you know, I don't. The, do I, I don't think there's anything missing from it. I really don't. I think that it ticked all of the boxes that it needed to that the only thing that get and this isn't from this isn't something i've ever found but one of the things that it does get criticized about is that um some people don't quite understand the relationship between the prior relationship between ryan and megan mm-hmm. um, it can get a little confusing um and then she you know there are just these kind of like glances at, of like recognition at one another occasionally Um, and then she eventually admits that she um, was seconded to Ryan's unit um, the first time to be able to sort of like capture one of these werewolves. But there's not a lot of that in there, and it can leave people feeling a bit confused. And the reason for that was it wasn't in the original script. Um, Neil never wanted there to be a prior relationship between Mm. them. That, That wasn't ever supposed to be a thing. Um, Ryan was supposed to have gone there because he had heard the stories and was obviously intending to capture the werewolf, um, which obviously goes awry. And um, Megan had been there because she is a zoologist and had got caught up in it. They weren't supposed to have known each other. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was just added in um, by one of the producers who wanted there to be more of an explanation for that relationship. But as we know in horror, sometimes we don't need an explanation we really you know sometimes that air of mystery and leaving a reader slash a viewer's you know imagination to fill in the blanks is is better anyway because you know we're always going to be coming up with different theories and therefore leading to discussions and all of that kind of stuff whereas if you're literally told every single thing there's nothing less left to think about. You never need to re-watch it because you've you've been there, you've done that, you know exactly what happened, then you can move on. Yeah, and especially
0: when, and I feel like that's kind of uh, like a tactic for more of a dramatic piece than a horror piece yes. because I feel like, her just coming off screen and with any horror movie there's that one character you're like where the hell they come from like what are they yes. about and it makes you more invested in the story because now you're exactly. you're following the b story and yes. you're trying to see like what's going to materialize with this are they are they a good witch or a bad witch like what's happening yes. with it and i yes. feel like you know to, to your point i feel like just being like oh well, this is why and it's like well all right i guess Exactly. <laughs> that, okay? is that okay? And I can feel that's probably where Neil was like, womp, womp. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then kind of took it. So I will ask for you, what do you feel? And I ask this of, of all the folks that come on the podcast is sometimes a story is just a story, yeah. but with horror, especially because it is so visceral and like, what do mm. you feel in your
1: personal opinion? Do you think that this film is trying to say? Neil, Neil loves Westerns um, and he'll say that that was one of his only kind of like influences on um, sort of the script and the way that it was filmed and all of that kind of thing. And he, he likes the idea of the, the, the thing uh, and uh, Escape from New York and all of that kind of thing where it's this like group of men that are put in a situation that they have to fight their way out of. He wanted a fun movie, which was soldiers versus werewolves. And he wanted to make people laugh. He wanted to make people scream. And there wasn't really much more to it. Um, obviously when he went on to make The Descent, that was different. He used a, a lot of different things uh, and with obviously the, the dynamics between the women and all of that within that movie. But this movie is just about a bunch of guys, um, their relationship and how they um, are like a family that will protect each other and fight for each other coming into the you know an unknown place and doing what they do which is fighting against an unknown enemy and believing that Megan is part of their group that they need to protect her that she's going to be able to help them and then dealing with it that i really don't think there's any hidden messages at all in there (laughs) No, awesome. Because like I said,
0: sometimes a story is just a story. And I, I think, think what's, what's really incredible about this is that you can tell the Western sensibilities in this. I mean, you have yeah. a a clean arc of these, these soldiers really each having a a, a strong character development. You have yeah. a final showdown, you have the self-sacrifice and you have the the, <laughs> interestingly enough, you have the lone wolf kind of walking away from it all. And, yep. um, I think what's really awesome about this movie, like, not only are, like, the light parts really light, and especially, like, (laughs) hairspray scene is pretty funny, Um, because, like, what the hell are you gonna do? (laughs) You you gotta use what you gotta use, but what's really fun about it is that it doesn't, it is a very scary movie. I think, first of all, the practical effects in this movie are out of this world if you have not seen this movie yet and we've spoiled a bunch for you already but you should definitely check it out because if you are a person like me who's very much into practical effects i love man and suit monsters i absolutely adore that pretty much yes. over anything else um they're really really ahead of their time with this movie which i thought was super super cool which is one of the things that really scared me because i think that bipedal um werewolf is really one of the scariest things because obviously like they're (laughs) they're super fast Um, yeah they've been like retconned into like the flash but um i think what's really awesome about this is the the friendships that kind of transpire through through the movie and to your point earlier is this familial um connection and this sense of belonging that is a through line throughout the entire movie which is really important especially um in horror, which you can get, feel, feel some characters can feel really isolated, um, and this is not one of those times, yes. which is a really awesome piece of the film. So, yay! I'm so excited that
1: we got to talk about this today! <laughs> 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 yeah, so- and, uh, de- sorry, definitely no. what you said about the uh, the werewolves, they, you know, that that's another reason why werewolf films quite often, you know, get left off of people's lists of, like, great movies and things, because, Werewolves are so damn hard to to do for whatever reason. And people, see, one of the things that Neil gets criticised with this movie and why a lot of people won't put it above American Werewolf in London is because there is no transformation scene, you know, and a lot of people feel that um, Neil cheated a bit with the transformation scene because Liam Cunningham goes behind the table and when he comes back, he's a werewolf. But Neil's very, very openly and candidly said, How was I ever going to compete with American Werewolf in London? It has the best transformation scene, you know, in 1981. It had the best transformation scene in 2002, probably still does now. He never wanted to try and make something that was going to look cheap and nasty compared to that. So they just Mm -hmm. didn't bother with it. And I've never felt cheated by it. I think he he made the absolute right decision. And his werewolves are scary. They really are. They're (laughs) creepy. Um, Sean said that, you know, he said he couldn't... Obviously, he'd seen the guys kind of walking around. But he remembers the scene where he just was, like, lying on the bed and Neil shouts action. And he opened his eyes up. And one of the wolves was just, like, sort of looming over him. And he said he actually went, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) It was a bit... It was like, because they, you know, they were like seven foot. Their ears were just like touching the ceilings and whatnot. They were scary. So it worked. Oh, I love it. I
0: love it, folks. (laughs) Please go see this movie. Go see this movie like it's in theaters. Please go (laughs) find this movie on your nearest streaming service. I should have looked up where it is. I'll put it in the chat. It's fine. But where can we, um, where can the folks find your work? Anything that's coming up? I know we can find... Uh, sausages, the making of dog soldiers on Amazon. Is it on like Goodreads or anything like that or just solely on Amazon yeah, from time? Uh, it is,
1: yeah. So the the only place that um it's available is on Amazon at the moment. Um so if if you can either just type in um sausages um for psychopocalypse or um just my name, even so if if you put Jeanine Pipe into Amazon, that will come up onto my author page which um, will show up all of, my, um, all of my work. There's about 25 different anthologies, I think, on there that I've had work in or edited and things like that. So that's the best place to find my work all in one place. Yay! And is there <laughs> anything
0: that you're working towards um, now that we can look forward to? Uh,
1: no. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes yes there's a as, as we always are there's an awful lot that i'm working on but all like ideas that are out there that have been pitched and are you know sat with producers and whatnot waiting on but nothing uh, that i can talk uh, about at the moment i'm afraid no yes. I, a, I feel
0: like we're all in like production purgatory it's
1: exactly it's exactly. hard exactly. to
0: live no i'm excited about it i'm so excited that we got to talk about this today and folks janine Pike. You can um, find her on Twitter mostly.
1: Yes, that's the okay. best place. Pipe 28 on Twitter. Yeah,
0: perfect. <laughs> so folks, we um, will see you next.